Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oakland Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You know, wherever you guys get in podcasts, just give us a five-star review, and we really do appreciate that a lot. I'm your host, Kami Amrabian, today, and really, honestly, I'm not going to be talking to you guys for much longer, because today, um, of course, after your massive blizzard that you experienced on Saturday morning, I was joined by Moses Madu to talk about a lot of things Sooners, um, just his time in Norm- at Norman High growing up, you know, being a Norman product and getting to play for the Sooners, going to the 2008 thing, and then just a lot of other things we got to talk to Moses about. Just some, We had some fun. We had a lot of good times talking about random things. And there are, of course, other things that we need to talk about, such as Creed Humphrey actually returning to the University of Oklahoma, like I said, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, this next year has a pretty decent shot to be special for the Oklahoma Sooners on offense and defense both sides of the ball yeah, with all those guys returning so it should be fun but again today I was joined by Moses Madu and it was a telephone call so the sound quality isn't as awesome as what you're listening to right now but it's certainly there and uh, it's a big shout out to Moses for actually coming on and talking about a bunch of stuff so here it is. All right today we're joined by Moses Madu thanks for coming on. No problem, man. So, Moses, you're a Norman High product. You, when of course, went to the University of Oklahoma, spent some time in the NFL and CFL and doing a bunch of things. Um, but first, let's just go back to the beginning. Like, Tell me about your recruitment and how that all worked out in the early, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, no, recruiting was crazy for me because it started – so late compared to everybody else. I mean, I didn't get my first offer until my third game of the my senior year, and that came from UCLA. Um, I really didn't start getting any looks until, like I said, I'll probably tell you about the beginning of my senior year. Well, I went to, when I was a sophomore, I went to OU's football camp. And um, I went to actually as a, as a corner. It's through a hmm. program that Norman High does every year where they give um they send two kids from Norman High, two football players to the OU football camp and it's just, it's like a sponsored, you know, deal. Um and so I got I got I got chosen to do that and went to it. So it worked it was really cool though. And actually um they I was actually getting recruited as a corner for a little bit by OU uh because of that camp. I did so well at it. And um who was it that was recruiting me as a coach? He became the head coach I think it was at Nebraska after. He was with Bo Pelini. Uh, worked with, yeah, Coach Pelini. Yep, Coach Pelini was recruiting. I remember him there, and um, and, and then like there wasn't much traction at all, and I didn't hear nothing else up until my senior year, and that's whenever um, it kind of was all just myself. Like I would um, I had two VCRs, and I would hit stop and record, and, and make my own cut ups, and you know, got my film out and things like that. Um, me and Ryan Burroughs and my brother Chica, we would all like get as much game from as we could and kind of just trade games from amongst each other. And we'd all sit there and make our face and get them out. You know, I think Ryan being so highly recruited also helped me out as well. You know, people would come and, and see me playing as well. So, but yeah, like I said, mm-hmm. man, um, it, it was crazy how it happened. Cause I mean, I was just 
was for sure I was going to be a JUCO guy or maybe end up at like UCO, you know, mm-hmm. going through my senior year. But um, it, it definitely was a blessing, you know, the way school started coming in and looking at me and offering me. If maybe you didn't get an OU offer, uh, what school do you think would have been second on your list? Um, so it was uh, between OU, UCLA, and TCU. Uh, and at one point, actually, I was going to decommit from OU to go to UCLA. Um, it was after DeMarco Murray had committed. And I knew we were going to be going mm-hmm. in, you know, three running backs deep, me, him, and that CB, Chris Brown. And so, you know, just being the smart person, like, I'm going in with three running backs. That's not, you know, the odds of that. You know, it's good to uh, plus mm-hmm. Marco Murray being number one guy coming out and things like that. So, and I actually wanted to decommit, and I was going to, but um, Eric Bieniemy was the guy who was recruiting me at the time from UCLA. He's actually with Kansas City now, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And um, he was um, recruiting me at the time, and he had left to go to the Minnesota Vikings. And I was like, man, that's the only coach I really knew on staff. You know, he's the one who recruited me. We had, a, we had a good relationship. We talked a lot, you know, and I wanted to be coached by him. But he left to go be with the Minnesota Vikings, with Adrian Peterson in Minnesota, actually. And so I just ended up staying at OU. So talk about being a Norman kid, playing for OU. What's that like? Because not everybody gets that feeling, you know, you go to school, you go to high school just down the street from the university in the stadium, you know. Mm-hmm. What's that feeling like to actually go play for the seniors? Man, it's it's cool. It's it's amazing. It's a blessing. Um, it's hard to explain because, like I said, growing up literally in in the shadow of OU, you know, you're right there. You see it all the time. You drive by it all the time. You know, and, and people love OU. I didn't like OU like that, like most people growing up. But it it like now I have more appreciation being a hometown kid, of course, and I'm alumni and, and older. You know, at the time, I don't think I appreciated it much because it was just like. Hey, I'm getting recruited by him. You know, I'm good enough to play here. But now, you know, I definitely see how big of a deal that is, especially being from Norman, because not very many guys from Norman have got the privilege to go to OU. Before me, it was J.C. Thatcher, um, Tyrell Peters, a couple, you know, maybe a handful of guys I could think of. So that it was really cool, man, especially, you, you know, you walk around and people know you and things like that, and it's really cool. So what was it like to play for Coach Stoops and Coach Gundy, I believe? Wasn't Kale Gundy your running back's coach at the time? Yeah, yeah, Coach Gundy was. Yeah, I loved it. Coach Stoops is the most down-to-earth guy you'll ever meet. I tell, like, people ask me about him all the time, and I was like, man, I love Coach Stoops. I would never say a bad thing about him, you know. Um, he's, he's a great man, God-fearing guy, and he always made sure we knew OU's history, you know. We, we knew OU's background and, you know, the great coaches before him and the players that came before us who laid the foundation for us. You know, he made sure we knew everything about OU Texas and OU Nebraska rivalry and things like that. And also he just preached just being a good a good man to us. You know, so I, I really – I love Coach Stoops. And to this day, every time he sees me, we have a conversation. Most how you doing? Anything you need, let me know, you know. And he, I love him. You know, mm-hmm. same for Coach Gundy. You know, I still talk to Coach Gundy every now and then. And whenever we talk, it's all good. Like, come come watch us practice. You know, he's always trying to get me to come watch us practice, things like that. So I have nothing bad to say about him. You know, and they gave me a chance to come play at OU. I'll forever be grateful. Did you ever ask Coach Gundy about his eyebrows and lack thereof? <laughs> you know what? I don't remember. It's funny because um, when I was in school with him, I don't remember him being that bad. But now I see him like, God damn, Coach Gundy. Like, <laughs> what is going on with like? I don't know if it's, you know, the years have passed and 
he looks that way, but I might ask him what I might work up the courage to do so because he needs to get something done with him. <laughs> <laughs> Some implants or something, man. <laughs> yeah, he need, draw him on, do something. You know, there's all kinds of things that women do nowadays. She can get done and make him look real. You know, <laughs> I don't know if he needs to dye his eyebrows or what, but something needs to be done. So tell me about that 2018 that you got to be a part of. I mean, you guys are a part of, like, at that time, the most dominant in electric offense in really cultural history. You, DeMarco, CB, loaded backfield, and just Sam Bradford and all that stuff. Just tell me about the feeling of that 2018 and going to the national title and, of course, eventually not winning it against Tim Tebow. But what was that whole feeling like and what was the situation like? Man, that game, I mean, that team, it, it was, like, it was ridiculous how stacked we were from top to bottom at every single position. And, I mean, it, it's just the talent we had. Our O-line was amazing. We called them 1-5, uh, <laughs> the, the big hogs up front. I mean, it was just Coop, Big Phil, B-Walk, you got Trent. And even we had guys who rotated in, Brandon Braxton. I mean, B films, like the guys we had to rotate in could have gone anywhere and started as well, you know. And we had our tight ends, Jermaine, Brody Eldridge, fullback Matt Clapp, and our receivers was freaking good too. Ryan, Joaquin Iglesias, Quinn Chaney. Uh, was Malcolm Kelly there? Yeah, Malcolm Kelly. Was Malcolm there? Manny Johnson. I think he left a year early. I think he left. He did. Yeah, he left the year before that. But, I mean, just like our depth. And even our defense, like our defense was, man, our defense was so dang good, and it's just the talent we had and, and, and the way we worked and how much we pushed each other in practice that year and, you know, and, and everything we did to get to that point, the way we, we ran through the Big 12. And, of course, we lost we lost early to Texas. And um, But, I mean, it's just it's, – it's, I look back all the time, like, that team was so dang good, man. And I think about that, the nice championship game a lot because people always bring it to my attention. And, you know, so it's – it sucks. It's tough, but it's one of the things that happens, man. You know, we get to what three yard line a few times and we can't score, and it just mm-hmm. hurts. You know, oh, it hurts. But that team was just, and we had what three guys go in the top four from that team, top four of the draft, and we had Jermaine Gresham go later on in the first. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever see that happen again. Three guys within the top four picks from the same school. I mean, it's crazy. Who are the biggest leaders and or maybe personalities on that squad? Um, the biggest leaders, I mean, you definitely gotta say Sam. Sam was Sam is like the definition of a quarterback to me. I mean, it's a guy who's a leader, um, a great guy. And you go out there, like he never cussed, but he'll be like, When you go get this ball, we're gonna freaking ram it down. I thought you were gonna score right now. <laughs> so he'd be like, Yeah, let's do it then, Sam. Like it's just the way he the way he led us, you know, and he wasn't like a big hoorah guy, but you know when he talks, we all listen. And, and also like how hard he worked. And I saw my like I saw my workouts are no joke, man. Like the toughest in the nation, and, and the way he would go in every day and bust his tail, you know, make all his times to be up in the front of the line running with all of us, with the, all the skill guys, you know, in the front. Like you just respect that. Um, and um, you know the leaders on defense, of course, you had Gerald McCoy. Um, we had a lot of guys back there, man, that, that were really great leaders for us. Kenny Clayton, things like that, guys you know you could depend on. Um, who else? We had, what, Nick Harris back there? Um, mm-hmm. Quentin, uh, Q Carter. I mean, like, the list goes on, man. Our defense, we were so good. Um, and, I mean, we had 
And now as far as like goofy guys and you know, just the, the character guys, we had so many of those. Um <laughs> like every football team is gonna have them and, and we had so many. I mean, Trent Williams was a was a was a clown. I mean he's as funny as it gets, man. Um Manny Johnson was funny. Joaquin Glaciers was funny in his own way. Um Adrian Taylor is a clown. We had we had so many guys that are just goofballs, you know. But um like what comes to mind is definitely the O line and D line. That was probably the most the, the biggest clowns we had on the team between those guys. So what are just some memories that stick out to you about your you know, your years at OU, either them being some great memories, some funny memories, some bad memories? What are some things that stick out to you? Um the memories the most definitely just being around the guys, I'd say our summer workouts because they were so hard. Like the stuff we did, I look back and I'm like, I don't know how one I didn't die, you know, how I even made the workouts or like, you know, like it was so bad, guys. So we had to walk across um, Jenkins to get to the indoor where we worked out. And guys mm-hmm. would be like, if I got hit by a car right now, I wouldn't care. Like, please hit me. I did not want to go do this workout. I'd rather be in a hospital bed laid up than have to do these summer workouts. Like. I mean, they absolutely killed us. So, you know, just memories of just being in those workouts and guys not being able to make their times and uh, the coaches just young screaming at them, you know, like just funny stories. Um, Like one comes to mind, we used to do um, these little hurdles, like these steel hurdles on the ground. We call them shin busters. And uh, you have to jump over them at a fast pace or probably like a couple yards in between each other. And I remember uh, we had one – one workout was Sam Bradford tripped on it and landed on his chest. <laughs> and it was like a oh, sound. He was hurting. And we had a, an offensive lineman do the same thing. Eric Mensick, who also was a big clown. I remember him landing on it before. And it's just like funny stories. It just guys like, <laughs> just so many. But we like we have group chats. We're all in together. We've got all us guys from OU. And, and we talk about summer workouts all the time. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of crazy stuff that went on in those workouts, man. And I know you guys had different times that you guys would work out. Is there? Did you guys ever get an inkling of what was to come for your workouts during the Oh, morning? yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we had – a lot of the time I was in the early group. That was the, um, the 550 workout. Um, so we we were like the first group of the day. So we, But we were the guinea pig group. He would see how we would do and kind of base the mm-hmm. rest of the workouts off of that, whether it be, you know, changing up times a little bit or things like that. But then uh, – one year, I think what, what, I think it was like the 7:45 group I was in AM. So you know, as we were walking into the indoor, we were looking at the guys, and they would give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You know, like when you get that thumbs down, that's bad news. You better get your mind right. You know, like Smitty's in one of them moves. Like, <laughs> you get that thumbs down, all you do is shake your head, like Lord be with me today. Like, and, and, and I mean, that was a lot of the days of the weekend. And we would also ask our um, athletic therapists, like, hey, what do we do today? Like. You know what kind of mood is Schmitty in? Guys out there dying. They would let us know, like, hey, you better you better be on your P's and Q's today. Schmitty's on it, like. <laughs> so like, we would always ask around and just try and get, you know, get a clue as to what would happen. Right. So I mean, after all that stuff at OU and being a Norman, I know you eventually moved on to play some professional ball both in the United States yeah. and Canada. And a lot of people, yeah. you know, I think mean, just normal people in general, they don't. No, not many people get the right or the chance to even play in either one of those leagues. You got to do both. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. what's it like to go to the NFL? What's it like to play in the CFL? And what, what what's different yeah. between those two leagues? 
Yes, I was definitely blessed enough to do um, three years in the NFL um, and then six years in the CFL. So I, um, it's the differences are, are, are pretty crazy. I remember my first, like when I first did training camp in the CFL, my first team I was with, Hamilton Tiger Cats. I remember like it took, I probably was like in my second week of training camp. No, no, probably it was probably a few days in training camp before I, I realized that there's only three downs. I was under the influence. There was it was four downs, but there's there's only three downs in the CFL. So you know, on second down, they're telling the punt team to get ready, punt return team, you know, get mm-hmm. on deck. So I mean, it's just it, it's such a it's it's honestly it's a way funner game to watch than than like the NFL because NFL is such a slow game, you know. And in the CFL, the play clock you have a 24 second play clock, I believe it is. So, I mean, from mm-hmm. play to play, you're, you're going. You know, of course, we have the, the crazy motions toward the line of scrimmage. You know, guys get a 10-yard. It's called a waggle. You start 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, you start sprinting full speed at the line of scrimmage. You know, so there's always motions. There's always stuff going on and guys moving around. And, um, of course, so three downs is, is a big deal. The, the field goal post being in the middle of the end zone, at the front of the end zone, is, you know, pretty crazy. It took some getting used to for me as well. The field is wider and longer. The end zones are 20 yards um, long. So there's a lot of room to work in the end zones. And uh, also, there's no fair catch in the CFL. There's, there's, there is a five-yard halo rule, though. So guys have to be at five yards, you know, five yards away from the, from the punt returner. And I actually like that because it, it makes the return game that much funner, you know. Mm-hmm. It, there's going to be a return every single time. And we have, I mean, a lot of good return men, like um, from my team, Monado, Deontay Spencer. Um, he was played with the Denver Broncos this year, and he actually this was his first year as rookie year with Denver, and he actually was a um, Pro Bowl alternate. Alternate. So, I mean, yeah, we have a lot of good guys in this league. I tell people all the time, like the CFL is what I would say. All the, all of us guys have the same story. We played in the NFL for a couple of years. We have a lot of guys who even started in the NFL, you know. But for whatever reason, they end up in the CFL. You know, NFL stands for not for long. <laughs> it don't last for forever. So guys always come to the CFL in hopes of getting back to the NFL, getting some good game film, you know, things like that. But I mean, sometimes it don't work out. So you end up like me, you know, just staying in the CFL. You make, you make good money. You can live off it. You know, you, you have fun. You're doing what you love to do. You're playing football for a living. And Canadians love football. I mean, for – so I was with – the last team I was with, I was with them for four seasons. And my first three seasons with them, we sold out every home game. So, I mean, like – they're doing better numbers than some of the NFL teams. When I was in Tampa, our home games sucked, you know? <laughs> like, we, yeah. we would have more more fans from the other team in the stands than, you know, what we had. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> you know, it's it's a great league. And I tell people all the time as well, like, I would also describe it as, like, Division One compared to Division Two. Like, the only difference between Division One and Two is really in the trenches, your O-line and D-line. The skilled players are all mm-hmm. going to be, you know, of the same talent pool. You know, because there's plenty of us running backs and receivers and things like that. But where, you, where the difference really is is up front, the D line and O line. And that's fair too. And when you can see it, like you know, the Division Two or FCS national title game is today, and really the only thing yeah. you notice that's really is in the trenches, like you just said. So that yeah, makes, exactly. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was actually no. watching that game, too, before this call, and I, I thought about that, yeah. too. Like, you know, they're going to have skill players everywhere. It's just up front. So, it's 2020. Um, of course, Bob Stoops stepped down a few years ago and kind of shocked a lot of people. And 
Yeah. What do you think about Lincoln Riley's Sooners today, and how shocked were you yeah. about Coach Stoops' uh, his retirement when he just out of the blue just during the summer yeah. just stepped down? I remember, like, we were all – we thought it was crazy. Like, we couldn't believe it. You know, we thought Coach – you think Coach Stoops, he's going to be there, like, as long as uh, Joe Paterno was, you know, with Penn mm-hmm. State. Like, <laughs> you just – you can't see the man anywhere else. You know, I remember there were rumors going around, like his health, um, things like that, you know. But I ended up just talking to um, his son. And um, he was just telling me, like, he was just ready to be home. He was ready to be home more and be done and kind of walk away from the game. And he told me a funny story about Coach Stoops. He was like, he just saw him one day in the kitchen cleaning. <laughs> and he was like, Dad, like, what are you doing? And, you know, it's funny to see Coach Stoops, like, in his kitchen just cleaning, you know. But, you know, that that was his life now. Like, he, he was home all the time and, and able to just be around his kids. And so, I mean, that, that that's – I mean, I can – I perfectly see. Cause I, I mean, I'm the same way now, like. I recently just re- decided to retire from the CFL as of this past November. And, you know, my thing is I just want to be around my family, you know. Um, and so I understand now I do where Coach Stoops is coming from. And to have a guy like Lincoln Riley waiting to get the keys to, like, you know, you pass it down to a great person like that, like, why not do it? You know, you know the program's going to be in good hands. And I think Lincoln is doing an amazing job. I mean, I'm talking about a guy who's been to the playoffs now, what, this was his second, third time? Second time? The third time? Third time. third time in the playoffs. Third yeah. time, yeah. You know, as a first-time coach, um, head coach, like, in, in a big-time school like this. So, that's good. You know, we're, we're still some pieces away from being, you know, that top program, but everybody knows that. And we all know that, we, you know, we got to get some things tightened up. But I think Lincoln's doing a great job. I love, I love what he's doing with social media as well. Like, I don't think people talk about that enough. Like, in today's, day and age you really have to these kids are all about that social media stuff and you know what like your school your swag your persona you know how you're doing things and he's doing an amazing job with the recruiting you know the recruiting tools he has at hand especially like i think it was last year they did like the um the way they announced their recruits their their signing class with the like the record player type thing like that was so cool to me man and like if I was getting recruited, like I would, oh, I would eat that up, man. I would, I'd be all about it. And I think they're doing an amazing job, you know, Lincoln and keeping up with the times. He's a young guy, a young, relatable guy. I think that's really good too, because kids are starting, you know, are levitating more toward that too. So, did Bob have any sort of like inclination toward not using social media, and because like. You know, back in the early 2000s, I think we still had just had Facebook and not really Twitter yeah. wasn't really a thing yet. <laughs> not at all, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't – I mean, I saw he had, like, a Twitter and stuff, but that's not him tweeting from that account. <laughs> it's somebody mm-hmm. else. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's, not, just, it's not even his – yeah, it's, it's his account with his name, but he doesn't even use it, you know. And I, I, don't, I don't – I just, you know, we got good recruits because we were OU. But I think now in today's time, like, we can say, yeah, we're OU, but what else do you bring to the table? These kids all love all these crazy colored jerseys and things like that. And, you know, and, like, what you're going to do. And, you know, so, I mean, it's just there's so many other factors, you know. So I think Link is doing a great job. But, like, we're talking about Coach Stoops. I just think um, – I don't want to say, like, got time's got ahead of him, but I just – he just didn't have as much as a, a social media presence at the time as Lincoln mm-hmm. does now with what they do and everything. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say for like 
the guys are a little more old school, like Coach Stoops, who got a lot of his stuff from Coach Spurrier, and now you have like new yeah. age kind of coaches that are into that game. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I don't sure, think you exactly. see Nick Saban being active as Lincoln Riley, you know, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, not it's at all. Taking <laughs> those guys all. are the, the same, you know, the same guys. But yeah. what are some things that, you know, after football, after everything's done, what, is, what do you do today? What is this? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to figure life out, man. I got some uh, some business things in the works right now. I um, I'm kind of, I, I want to, been, I've been leaning toward coaching. I really love working with kids, you know, and I love, like, what my high school coach did for me growing up as a young man. Like, he really helped mold me into the man I am and my work ethic. And, you know, I would love to be able to do that for kids as well and to, and just mm-hmm. someone be there for them, you know, someone they can, they can relate to. And I've always loved, like, every time I've worked at football camps, I've, I've loved, you know, that, that environment and coaching. So I've been looking at coaching, you know, just maybe other things around football. I think it's a, I think it's a great thing, you know. You you get all that as a kid, and you want to give back to maybe the community and the same thing you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But anyways, I think that wraps us up. Thank you so much for visiting with me, Moses, and talking about yeah. you know your time in football and just like things in the future. I really appreciate you coming on. No problem. I talk football all day, so this ain't a big deal. And that was the podcast with Moses Madu. And I just, I liked a lot of things he had to say. And, you know, I it gave you an idea of who Sam Bradford was as a leader. I think that was pretty awesome because a lot of us think of Sam Bradford as just kind of a, a quiet guy that, you know, he's an assassin, he's a mercenary that just puts the ball wherever it needed to be. And him, you know, hearing him to talk about Sam as a leader, I think that's really interesting because you don't normally hear that side about Sam Bradford. And, of course, I think his recruiting story is really interesting regarding you know UCLA, uh, TCU. You know he you dro- he name dropped Eric Bieniemy. He was at the the, the Chiefs right now and who's you know interviewing for head coaching jobs in the NFL. So just a lot of cool things that came of that. So again, really appreciate Moses for coming on. And again, me and Jack are going to record another podcast probably this coming Tuesday or Wednesday for you guys to have. So this is a nice podcast after the weekend for early next week. So until next time, we'll talk to you guys later.